Hello, friends, and welcome to To The Point, the home services podcast that focuses on marketing and operational solutions to help you get better. Because if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. Now, let's cut through the bullshit and get to the point. Holy cow. It is our 50th episode, Paul. Can you believe it? I cannot believe it. I remember when we tested the mics for episode one, you know, not knowing if anyone would ever listen and who knows how many tens of thousands of listeners later, we've built a little community. It's kind of fun. It's so awesome. Everybody, what's up? It's your boy, Cristiano, host of To The Point Home Services Podcast, along with my co-host, Mr. Tall Paul. And it's our 50th episode, in case you didn't catch that in the very beginning. And this one is going to be fire. Why? Because we've done something special for you. And this is when we're super thankful that we have producer Kyle to be able to cut and edit and all this stuff because after 50, or in this 50th episode, we're going to share our top 50 moments. Well, I guess we've got a ton of moments, man. We could have blown past that, but we pulled 50 of the best moments across this year's podcast. So if you're going to listen to one, like this is the one because it's got so much fire packed in to one episode to go out of this year with a bang. Ain't that right, Paul? That is right. And hey, you mentioned him, but I just want to pause for a moment and thank producer Kyle for all the work he's done this year. A couple of reasons. Um, I'm a podcast listener and I will leave a podcast if it's not produced well and if the sound quality is garbage. And Kyle has worked so hard on getting my mic dialed in and just everything set up with the guests. Kyle, you're welcome to come on air if you'd like, Kyle, and say something, but you don't have to. We know you're we know you're back there doing your thing. Just thank you so much. He's too shy. I like being the guy that hides in the back, but thank you guys. I uh, love what you guys are doing. <laughs> crushing, you're crushing. Oh, thanks, it, buddy. I appreciate. It. I love what you're doing. Hey, so okay, you think back, Paul? Our actual first guest. Remember this? Like we just act like we knew what we were doing, and we really didn't. Chris, I'll never forget as we waited for our first actual guest to show up in the studio. He actually showed up maybe a couple hours late. Like maybe didn't confirm it or whatever. But then I had no idea, one, this individual's story, right? And then two, how much of a significant influence he would have on the direction of our podcast for the rest of the year. Yeah, right. Because he was our first guest and I was like, oh man, he's not even going to show up. Like, oh gosh. This and we had ha- just practiced on each other at that point. Like, we'd never had a guest. We literally tested the mic asking each other questions we already knew. Yeah, exactly. But you, even though like I knew who he was and he's obviously been a monster. And I mean, I'm in Arizona, so he was a monster in this market and, and, and we knew he has a huge successful business and we wanted to get him on the air. And so I was glad that he even uh, offered, you know, to, to come and be a part of it with us. I'm not quite sure he actually knew that he was our first guest and we certainly didn't tell him that. But um, he came on and he absolutely crushed it. And what's cool is when you hear huge, you know, big successful companies talk about some of the uh, trials that they hit early on, and they certainly hit one because uh, old Ken Goodrich from Gettle, uh, the CEO of Gettle, had the IRS knocking on his door early on. So give a listen to uh, what Ken had to say about that from episode two. I had the business going, and uh, one day I pulled up the office, and this guy pulls up at the same time in kind of a ratty old car, and he gets out, and he, uh, you know, asked where he could find me. And I said, well, you got me. And he said, here's my business card. And he said, uh, internal revenue service. Oh, man. <laughs> and he said, uh, well, son, you haven't been paying your payroll taxes. You owe us $76,000. I said, 
what's payroll taxes? <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, he quickly Payroll. showed me what payroll taxes were. <laughs> oh, yeah. By showing up with guns and badges and such wow. and tow trucks. Well, it was gut-wrenching. Yeah. And, um, but I was determined. You know, I wasn't going to let me, let it beat me. One, because I think that's kind of who I am and that's how my father raised me. But on the other hand, I just couldn't bear go to my mom and said, say, hey, mom, in two years, I killed the 25-year business that we had. Right. Sure. And I just, I couldn't, I, I couldn't quit. Yep. Right. So I had to, I had to go through the fire and come out a better man. Overcoming adversity, like right out of the gate to now a upwards of $180 million company he runs. Like that's a pretty cool moment. So about half of my job at Rhino is listening to Chris's ideas and wondering like, huh, okay, I guess that would work. So when he called me and said he invited a world champion UFC fighter onto a home service podcast, <laughs> I was like, all right, what's the worst that could go wrong? Par for the course. So this guy has a story. Chris, tell a little bit about Jen's story before he came into the studio. Yes, yes. So so my friend Jen's Pulver, who we met, um, gosh. Yeah, few, few build your life resume camp. camp. So down in Georgia. But he was you know, a champion UFC fighter. Um, Lil Evil is his nickname. Well, listen, I love hearing these stories of adversity, and he, he certainly has one. Because a lot of times when we face adversity in business, it changes how we do business. It changes how you uh, succeed moving forward. Because a lot of times, you know, it's uh, what's on the backside of that that truly defines who you are. you got to be able to get through it. And everybody goes through it in some way, shape, or form. So Jens, who's from the Pacific Northwest, his dad, I'm talking at a young age, like six or seven, put a shotgun in his mouth, in his kid's mouth, and said, choose. You know, it, it, here's what happens. Jen's dad was abusive. Like he would beat up on his uh, siblings and him and his mom. This, can you imagine, Paul, we've all got, we've got kids. Do you Like, of course you can't imagine it because you're not insane, right? But his dad put a shotgun in his mouth and said, you're not worth the bullet. And then beat him and then beat him with the back of the gun, right? But he used that to motivate him through his entire life. And he called it his middle finger motivation. That became his driving force to all of his success was that piece of adversity. You, he could look at that two ways. It could have taken him down or it could have used it and lifted him up. And that's exactly what it did from episode three with Jens Pulver. It, it was that. And I tell everybody, you know, there's that little thing that everybody needs. You need that little middle finger, that middle finger to something or someone that kind of will get you up off your ass on the days you don't want to get up. Obviously we have, we have a lot of days where you've just got motivation and it's just like, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to do this. And then there are just days where you just kind of just, again, you're on autopilot you're just going through the motions. And then there's just days where you're just like, ah, because no matter how hard I trained for a fight and I'm trying to get myself ready, there's still the, the quote unquote, the real world and all kinds of different shit can happen that can knock you off your horse. You know what I mean? And knock you off and try to, so you got it. It's, it's good to have that middle finger to something. And, you know, one of the things, Chris, that we learned this year from many of our guests is that many of them had that moment, like that pivotal moment in their life that kind of 
you know, things changed and, and most can identify when that moment was. We have often asked our guests, you know, what are the most critical mistakes you've made along the way? And it's interesting that many of those mistakes were the actual turning points that they look back on in their journey For that sure. kind of put them where they are now. For sure. Um, one of our guests, the COO of Vayner Media, so Gary Vaynerchuk's right hand man, Help. was literally hired. But in Gary's words, yep. to keep Gary from hitting potholes on his way to, <laughs> you know, world domination. So in episode yep. four, we had James Orsini on. And, and the whole reason that, uh, gosh, I loved this part of it was that Gary said to James, he has the, like kind of like you have to do with me, Paul, is like I have these big visionary goals that I want to hit and you have to help me put them, like structure them out. Well, Gary said to James, you know, you've, you've made 25 years of mistakes that I don't want to make. I actually think that's brilliant, right? So he's forecasting his own success by bringing on leadership who's made some of those mistakes that can clear those out of the way before they get there. Yep. But this was episode four with the uh, COO of VaynerMedia, the president of the Sasha Group, James Rossini. Yeah, his exact yeah, yeah. quote was, you've made 25 years of mistakes that I don't want to make, so help me avoid the potholes to move faster. You know, Chris, one of the things that we've learned with some of our guests too is, you know, some people are just winging it. Or at least it make it look like they're winging it. <laughs> yep. But the reality is that the most successful ones have a plan. And it's a very thoughtfully executed plan, right? Where you're working on the business instead of really just working in the business every day. So we learned from Ellen Rohr, who was awesome in the studio, so much energy, um, about creating a business plan, executing it. Yeah, Ellen Rohr from Zoom Drains comes in and crushes it. Gosh, she's like, she's super likable. You can't help but like, as soon as you talk to her, you feel like you've known her forever. And those are the kind of people you want to be yeah. around and learn from. And she's had a super successful career in the trades. Um, and you know what? She doesn't overcomplicate it. She puts together what her definition of a business plan is. And I found out, if you remember, Paul, that even though I didn't think I had a business plan when I started the company, I actually did. And that was an episode... 32. So a business plan could be a vision board or a three by five card vision or board. a notebook, anything that helps you clarify your intention and line up some action that will move you in that general direction. The, the problem with a standard canned business plan is that it's done for the wrong reason, like you need a loan. Or someone told you you should put a business plan together so you go through and you check off the boxes and fill out the stuff and then it goes um, on a Google Drive somewhere or on a, in a binder somewhere and you never ever look at it. So I am quite generous in my definition of what a business plan is. and I like my definition better than a canned package. Our next guest is super well-known throughout the industry. Salt of the earth kind of guy. Chris Hunter sat down with us to talk about you know, working the goal backwards and also talking about as a great episode to listen to if you're in a small market, because yep. you don't yep. have to be in a Los Angeles or a Houston or yeah. a Miami to have, you know, a $10 million company that you can eventually sell one day and sail off in the sunset. Yeah, man. And seriously. And, and Chris Hunter is a, uh, he's the first, first company of all my 13 years of working in the trades. I saw that had a prayer wall on his website. Remember that Paul? So mm -hmm. Huge, huge heart for the trades. Chris Hunter is now also, I mean, now works for Service Titan, sold his company, um, you know, grew his company to 10 million plus in small town. You said, I think is Ardmore, Oklahoma, where he met the love of his life we still with today. But let's hear from Chris Hunter, who starts with his goal and then he works backwards. Really and truly, this goes back to planning. Annual, and we call it annual planning. 
but this is the time where you, you step outside of your business and you dream a little bit. Hey, where do we want to go? And then we start working backwards. You know, we, we start with the end and, and like I even learned from the, from Matt Michelle at the service nation, he said, if, if you start with the end in mind, if you, if you run your business as if you're going to exit, cause you're going to exit one day, whether yep. you like it or not, yep. you're going to exit <clears throat> one way or the but other. Here's what, yeah. Here's what will happen. It'll, it'll either run, you'll, you'll prepare to run really smooth and it'll be a profitable and you may love it or you can hit that exit strategy. So it starts with planning and, and really breaking it down into little baby steps. Yeah. And Chris has since moved on to service Titan and, and uh, a listener. So we know you're listening, Chris, shout out to you, brother. And we've had a wildly successful business, but yeah, man, building a, building a business and scaling it to, I think he said 10 million in a small town, um, takes a lot of focus, a lot of effort and a lot of plan. And, uh, if you, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Amen, Paul. Amen. Chris, I'll never forget this episode because we, I didn't plan well and I had to record when I was on vacation and we were vacationing up in the Smoky Mountains in a yurt. And my fear was because the yurt has a canvas top that the rain was going to come down and completely destroy the episode, but it didn't. But let's talk about Dana Hoddle, our guest. Today's actually her birthday. You know, it's not easy walking into a family business and, you know, there's a sense of maybe entitlement or perception of entitlement sure from other is. employees. So she kind of unpacked that a little bit, but I know you're a big Dana fan. Yeah. So Dana and I have become really close friends. She's uh, from CNC, like Paul said, up in Detroit. Um, and on episode 31, she's talking about how she came up through the family business. And and listen, there's a lot of listeners that have you know family that work for them or they're in it or they're multi-generational. And we certainly know that because we've had a lot of podcasts that's a multi-generational business, but you hit the nail on the head, man. You can come in and you've already got like a microscope on you, right? If you're the daughter of the owner or like it's already a microscope. So she actually started from the ground up at that company and proven like it proved that she was the right fit for leadership within that company. She earned her way up through there. And I loved hearing her story about it. And uh, she's just one of a handful of really powerful, super successful females that we've had in the trades on this podcast. So listen to this clip from Dana Hoddle in episode 31 about learning the business from the ground up. As soon as I graduated, I went into the business and I, you know, was a CSR, I dispatched, I did AR, um, I've done HR, I've done payroll, like every position that we've had, I've done. I know, you know, I can teach anyone anything at this point in time. So obviously start from the bottom, learn as much as you can, um, network. I would say a big thing is too, if it's not a fit for you, don't stay in it. Like it's hard work owning a business. It's very stressful. Um, and if you're not enjoying it, 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 you won't survive. Dana did such a good job and she's not the only high profile woman leader from the HVAC industry that we've brought in. We also had one of your good friends from years ago. I think one of the oh, yeah. top Bryant dealers in the country every year, uh, Charlene Ierna, who, um, not only runs an amazing company, but is also an alligator hunter. She is an alligator hunter. I mean, let that sink in. And she's tiny. She's a little bitty thing, but a huge, huge personality. She is a great human being. I've known her for a lot of years. She runs a super successful company down in the, the Tampa Bay area. Um, but she's also, like it's like you mentioned, she's been Bryant Dealer of the Year. She's won like every Bryant award I think you can win. Um, and you don't win those things over and over and over again by fluke. It tells you that you're running a really successful business. But I asked her, because she's so successful consistently, it only seemed fitting knowing how outdoorsy she is. I said in episode 14, what are the similarities between running a business 
in something as badass as alligator hunting. There's a, so much in common with gator hunting and running ironists. I mean, there's, there's, I mean, in terms of preparation, like you can set up the perfect hunt. You can have all of the supplies and materials, pick the perfect location. Um, but if that gator doesn't swim by you, you're back to ground zero, right? So it's the same with running the company. I mean, I can plan and forecast and um, negotiate pricing. I can do all the right things. Um, but if 10 people call out sick that day, we're back at ground zero. So it's constant um, adjusting. It's constant adapting, having to, um, you know, have the mindset that, you know, you've got to shift gears very, very quickly and you have to be um, able to do that. And a big part of it is risk. I mean, just um, with gator hunting and, and running a company like this, you have to be willing and able to take risks. Right. I mean, if you're not right. willing to take the risk, it's just, it's all goes south. Chris, one of the things that we love about this podcast is that you and I get as much out of it as we intend for our listeners to get. So oftentimes, you know, people may not see this if they're not watching, but we're taking notes and we're like students and we forget oh, yeah. that we're actually interviewing people. And our next guest, I'll never forget, this was like peak uncertainty during COVID, like maybe mid-April. I can't remember. It was episode 16, so pretty early. Yeah. And uh, he came on to talk about mindset. And I remember recording this. I had been working in my master bedroom for like 12 weeks. The kids are on the other <laughs> side of the wall. Like it was just brutal. The days were long. You and I were just, you know, making sure we were doing everything we possibly could to make sure that this business was uninterrupted. And, and it, it went well, thankfully. But Stephen talked about mindset. Yes, yeah, so we brought on, you know, Stephen Christopher, who's a friend of mine, who is, is actually in a, uh, owns a company called Wit Digital, who is technically a competitor of ours. Um, but listen, that's not how we roll, man. Like we believe rising tide raises all ships. And, and I think, I think Stephen is really great at understanding mindset and is helpful. Um, he does a lot of things for his employees, for his customers and things like that that are geared around mindset. Nothing to do with the actual functioning of the business or lead generation whatsoever. So we had Steven on to talk about changing your mindset because listen, if there's ever time that jacked up your mindset, it was all this COVID stuff that was happening. So the hope was, even though it wasn't on how to you know, lead generation, it wasn't on sales, it wasn't on acquisitions, it wasn't on whatever, it was about you got to get your mind right. And we felt like Steven was an amazing guy to, uh, to help give us some tactics on how to do just that. A lot of times we get this little voice in our head and that little voice in our head starts to tell us, okay, you know, let's use home service. You own a home service business. And the voice in your head starts to say, oh my gosh, the government's shutting down the ability to do X, Y, and Z. Now I'm going to have to lay off these three technicians that I just got that are really, really good at what they do. Now I'm not going to be able to pay this person. Now I'm not going to be able to pay this person. And before you know it, they're like in their mind, they're living under a bridge in a, in a cardboard box. Well, what is that voice in your head that, that says that? That voice isn't actually you. You have control over that voice. So you can make it say whatever the hell you want. You can make it say, I'm Donald Duck. You can make it say, I'm Mickey Mouse. And so I think the, one of the first things is just helping people realize that that voice that's going down this freaking rabbit hole is not actually them. They can choose something different in that moment and they can redirect it. Um, and that kind of like, that, that makes you take a step back and not just go down this path of all of the shits unraveling. And before you know it, like I said, you're living under a, under a bridge in a cardboard box. Our next guest caught me 
really off guard because I had been around Mike Aguilario many, many times over the years. We've known him. We've worked with he and his company. We've been up to New Jersey, spent some time with them. So I was kind of expecting similar stories or similar experience to different times I'd been around him. But this is one where I found myself just kind of stunned listening to his perspective on the storm that had been brewing, the storm that now is called COVID, but could have been called something else. Um, but his perspective on just kind of being ready for the storm was incredible. Yeah, and certainly Mike A doesn't lack energy, as you can tell from that. And also, really, he took over the podcast. Like, we were just guests on his podcast, just kind of the way Taking it seems. But what I thought was, what I, what I was really grateful for is that he laid out like this line item of things that uh, you could successfully move your business forward quickly, even through this time. And that was the purpose of having him on was to lay out some of those. Cause I figured you could take away one. If you actually implement it, would move your business forward. That's the whole purpose of the podcast. So this was Mike Aguilero. Good friend of mine, Dean Jackson, brilliant marketer. He says the best time to plant an oak tree is 25 years ago or today or today or today. So plant an oak tree uh, today. So look, this storm, this storm, we didn't know it was going to be called the COVID storm. We thought it was going to be called the election storm. Has been right. coming for a year and a half. And the problem is, if you are suffering, it's because you're not around smart people that were telling you there's a storm coming. Yeah, so Mike clearly lacks energy. <laughs> and passion. And passion. But, Conviction. you know, but he, uh, you know, he gets to talk about it and he's passionate about it because he's had a lot of great success with it. So I respect Mike's opinion. Um, but you know what? He's also not, uh, you know, he's not shy about talking about surrounding yourself with smart people. You know, you have to because a lot of times, you know, like I'll say too, I want to be the dumbest guy in the room just so I can continue to learn from others. And I think I've heard that actually quite a bit this year. So, so our next guest, the garage door king of the universe, A1 since day one, Tommy Mello, talks about being the dumbest person in the room, which is something you and I can identify with very, very intimately. Yeah, especially you. <laughs> You're the only one in your room. That's right. <laughs> what does that say about you? So will the real Tommy Mello please stand up? Uh, one of the things, I mean, Ken's taught me a lot. The nice thing is I surround myself with people that are better than me. My CFO, he went from a $20 million company. He grew it to $425 million. He works for me now, so he's been where we're going. We're going to support past where he's been, but surround yourself with the people you want to be like. Read the books. They say, take your five closest people, your wife, your best friend, your neighbor, add their, add their income up, divide it by five, and they're usually within 20% of yours. But if you read a lot, if you hang out with people you want to be like, I'm not the smartest guy in the room. I'm not the uh, most mathematical, best at technology. I'm the first one to ask for directions. I'm going to bounce things off of 10 people and hear their input. And I call everybody all the time. I'm on Facebook, I'm on podcasts <laughs> and I, I, it's about learning. It just, Absolutely. somebody says one thing and I'm like, holy shit, I take what they say. They say, I've done pretty good with this. And then I say, I'm going to freaking murder. I'm going to take what <laughs> you showed me and I'm going to do it a million times better. There is no other Tommy Mello at all. He is, he is the most connected high energy individual. I think we may have had on the, on the podcast. So one thing that we, he, Tommy and I talked about was my 95.5 rule, and I'm known for this, especially if you're in Rhino. Yep. You know, and I always say, and why we share so much in these podcasts and why he shares so much on his podcast, even down to like the exact tactics that they use, that they use, Give it the all same, away. same as us, same thing is because unfortunately, 
95% of those listening and of all the, the, the podcasts we've done, all the breakouts I've done, all the keynotes I've done that you've done, 95% of the people in the room or listening will simply do nothing with the information we gave them except write it down or think they're going to do it. Zero. Which is why the other 5% that do become so successful. You know what I found interesting, Chris, is how often our guests referred to Michael E. Gerber's book at some point in their journey. Maybe it was a half a dozen guests or so. Yeah, because, well, Ken Goodrich had uh, done a co-author with Michael E. Gerber on um, the E-Myth, right? And it was uh, the HVAC version of it. And But for me, for a lot of the guests that are listening that don't know, um, when I started my company, Rhino Strategic Solutions, uh, which was originally called Break Air Marketing, Back in 08, I had no clue how to run business. None. Zero. I was just a nerd, internet nerd. But I read the book, The E-Myth, and it was by Michael E. Gerber. So it was a really cool moment for me having him actually butt in the seat, actually right where I'm sitting right now with his little hat on, you know, in here busting my chops in the studio was a pretty awesome moment. But the reason we had him in and Ken at the same time was to share some of the knowledge and wisdom, not tips and tricks, learned that valuable lesson, the knowledge and wisdom that has made not only him, but millions of others who've read that book super successful in the right direction. And and listen, he held nothing back. Let's hear the story about when Ken was the only one to show up at Michael's book signing. And I had modeled my whole, all my companies after the book, right? And so, so I went out and I got a new suit, you know, (laughs) <laughs> Made him alter it right then. I got it in. I got me a tie. And I showed up at his book signing and meet Michael Gerber. And I was the only one that showed up. <laughs> so all the thousands of books, millions of books that he sold, he's there where people can come and see him. I'm the only one who shows up. And I get a captive hour with him. <laughs> just me and him. And we talked about the book. We talked about, you know, I got, got some better ideas, yeah. you know, just... Uh, but to that point, it's interesting how the information is there. You know, the horse is led to water, but you can't make him drink. Right. And you're waiting for all the crowds to show, and nobody comes. And here comes it's amazing. Here comes Ken in a suit. <laughs> yes. Paul, a yes. lot of times for me, much like I had to read the emit because I didn't know, you have to rely on partnerships to get better. And I am humble enough to ask for help when I need it. So the next clip we're going to talk about was from episode 39 with one of our partners, Mr. Gary Vaynerchuk, who I, who we had a, obviously had a phenomenal podcast with huge amount of downloads from that podcast because Ken, uh, Gary's always got something phenomenal to say. He's just, I love listening to the V factor, but the reason we had Gary on was to ask him, Hey, we hand you the keys to an HVAC company, Vayner HVAC. What do you do? I mean, he's just, he's known for building honey empires, right? That's his thing is I want to build honey empire. So let's hear from Gary on what he does when we hand him the keys to Vayner HVAC. SmartAC.com, SmartAC.com. If you haven't heard of it, you better find out. If you haven't implemented it, you better check it out. You have to get started doing something. 2024 is going to be an absolute battlefield. What are you doing differently than your competitors? You need to make sure that your memberships are sticky. SmartAC.com does that. Lifetime warranty, insurance savings, 
filter discounts, 24-7 monitoring that lets you know about problems before the homeowner might even know about the problem. Live tech chat, service providers, all of this with smartac.com. You've got to check it out now. Our, our listeners will want to know this for sure. We're going to get right down to it. So Gary, tomorrow, VaynerMedia is gone. You're looking for a job. You are now the CEO of a plumbing and HVAC company in Cherry Hills, New Jersey. What do you do? I, I have an opening keynote at 9 a.m. I invite everybody to be like, hey guys, I'm Gary. You might've seen me from my other successes or my major failure just happened because I don't know why Vayner's gone. Uh, you know, I'm here to win. I want to get to know everybody. Couple things. I build honey empires. People have to be kind. And I mean, uncomfortably kind. Honey empires. Yes. So honey over vinegar, but it's still an empire. So I'm trying to build the biggest company in the world. We're going to build here locally in Cherry Hill. Then we're going to take, so we're going to take over South Jersey. Then we're going to take over, well, we're going to take over South Jersey and Philly. Then we're going to take over all of Jersey, all of Philly and Pennsylvania. Then we're going to expand to the East Coast. We're going to, we're going to be the most, we're going to be, we're going to be the national leader. That's what I'm going for. That's all I know. I only know that. Um, and so, but the only way you're going to win here, I don't know how the last gal or guy did it, but the only way we're going to win here is if everybody goes fast. The only way to go fast is to eliminate politics. The only way to eliminate politics is for everybody to understand that kindness over everything. So if you're somebody in this company right now who's been a salesperson here for 13 years and you're the number one salesperson, but you're a dick face, it's a very, very, very good idea for you to resign right now and take the severance package because eventually, probably not up front, because I'm gonna give you rope, I'm gonna give you time, I'm gonna watch, I'm gonna let you hang yourself with the rope I give you, you will be fired. Maybe not tomorrow, maybe not the next day, because when I get the feedback that you're a dick, maybe they're trying to undermine you because they're a dick. So I'm going to do all my homework, but I'm going to spend all my time figuring out all, who all you are as humans. Then I'm going to figure out who all you are as capable at your jobbers. Here's who wins at this at Vayner HVAC now. A plus humans who are B executors will dominate. Number top five salespeople who are horrible and political and manipulative and who are not heeding my call and think they'll trick me that they're fine as the other people, you'll be snaked out, sniffed out, smoked out, you will lose. So you're an A in your thing, but you're a C minus in your personal skills. When you get frustrated, you yell, and then you apologize, all that shit is not going to work. So that is the rules of our organization. We're also gonna be the most progressive communications company in the world. Because of my background, we will dominate ads on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. Doesn't mean we'll stop doing billboards if this company's done billboards in the past. It means we're gonna scrutinize the price. Are we getting the right deal? We're gonna look at that. Da, 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 da. Those are, that's where I would go at length. And I wanna get to know all of you. You'll be hearing from me or my admin, depending on if we have an admin, about to get 30 minutes with all of you. I'm gonna to wanna to know who you are. Do you have siblings? Do you like sports? Do you like skiing? Do you like food? I wanna reverse engineer you to understand you, to put you in the best position to succeed because that's my job to put you in the best position to succeed, and then we're gonna scale at length. So Paul, as you know, Gary is huge on culture. He's a people business first, and so are we. I mean, that's ultimately, you know, you gotta have employees that get it, that fight for each other, that wanna do good for customers every single day. So, um, but then you also gotta put in systems, right? Yeah, you have to have systems and processes, and this was really neat to have Frank Besejnik, the real Frank the on real to really Frank. lay out just his years and years of experience and working with teams and training people. But there was one piece of insight that he'll share in this soundbite. And that's 
you can't train somebody to do something that they already know, but they don't want to do. They don't want to do it. Frank Besednik, episode 40. What's up, Frank? You can't train people to do something that they already know how to do, but they don't want to do. And that's a thing in, in the field I see a lot. Oh, I think I can train. I want to train my guys to do more of something. Well, they already know how to do it. They just don't want to do it. I, well, I used to do this at GE and tell people this. If I can hold a gun to someone's head and tell them to do it and they do it, it's it's not training. There's a reason, you know, I can't train it. They know how to do it. It's just that they don't want to. There's no incentive and there's no system or process in place that encourages them to do certain things a certain way. And I'm a systems and process guy. I like to run a business like it's a baseball team, a baseball game. Everybody knows where a foul ball is. Everybody knows what their job is. Everybody knows when this scenario happens, here's how you're supposed to respond. And that's how work should be. It should be a system beginning from how you answer. First of all, how you advertise and get customers. You should have a system for that. Here's how we get customers. Okay, what do we do with those customers when they come in? How do we talk to them on the phone? How do we answer every type of question that's of value? You leave nothing for chance. That's why I look at it. Don't leave anything for chance. Have a scenario for everything. I'll never forget the Frank Besejnak episode because it's also the same episode we recorded on my birthday when you had, um, oh gosh, Danny Tanner, what's his name? Oh my uh, God, Bob, Bob Saget. Saget. Bob Saget came on and interrupted the podcast, gave a three-minute kind of monologue and I laughed so hard that I had a splitting headache the entire time. Frank is super keen on building out systems and processes um, as he's built and structured and does his training with a lot of companies. Chris, you go on and on about culture at Rhino and you talk about, you know, hiring A plus individuals. We had Al on. Al Levy, who is a beast from Zoom Drain and the Seven Power Contractor. Chris, this was one of the you know, half a dozen times or so, we actually had a guest physically in the studio with us in Phoenix. And I was there as well. It was like the unicorn of podcasts. We were all in there. It was a great day. Apart. It was a great day. It was a great day, except for our guest who had to sit there during our 12 minute opening <laughs> monologue. And he's a New York guy who's like, man, will you guys shut up and let me do this? But he is no stranger to podcasts. And he did such a good job talking about A players. Yeah, man, A and B players, and he hates C and D players. So give a listen to my man, Al Levy, from episode 38. A and B players hate, hate, hate you owners out there, like <laughs> me, who tolerated C and D players. Right. Your obligation is while they're on the team, and actually it was funny because you mentioned Rob Minnick before, and Rob tied into this line. I gave it to him one day, and he constantly spits it out. <laughs> and it was this. I said, listen, Rob, <clears throat> While they're on the team, you either have to get them good or get them gone. They can have a bad day. They can even have a bad week, but they cannot have a bad month here. Yeah. So if we can't make their month better, we got to, you know, wish them well and let them move on. Yep. And that's, you know, this kind of thing about you got to hang on to these people. Now, of course, you're braver once, you know, <laughs> can, I, can I bust the audience here? Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. You, you got two knuckleheads, at least, that you're dying to get rid of. But you don't want to watch those trucks sit in your yard because they're a cash register that's dead. Yeah. And so you will tolerate all this bad behavior. Every time somebody talks about kick charge, they say Dan Antonelli. Well, I'm here I to know. tell you all listening, Dan Antonelli actually has a phenomenal staff that does a lot of the work for him, so it's not always just Dan. 
Okay. Shout out to Terry and Alyssa. Shout out to, shout out. Anyway, we have a strategic partnership with him. And the reason being is because Dan and his company, Kick Charge, are the best of the best when it comes to creative and the home services space, 100%. So from episode number 27 to my man, with my man, Dan Antonelli. Dan, what do you got to say, brother? You hear so many different sort of definitions of it. You know, a brand is what people say about your business behind your back. A brand is, you know, if people were describing you to someone else, how would they talk about your company? That's that's all part of it. You know, I look at brand almost like a wheel. Um, and you, you, that's the easiest analogy I can make is that it's a wheel. And then, you know, of course, I'm a cyclist. So I've got to go back to the to the wheel. But the center of that wheel is your logo. Um, and, and then the spokes that go outward uh, are all the touch points that integrate your logo. So you have, you have brand voice, you have you know, web, you have uh, truck wraps, uniforms for the guys, business cards, stationery, brochures, um, social media. So all those things going around the wheel um, really comprise your actual brand. So that whole wheel is kind of like your brand, right? So I always like to think about too, when you talk about, you know, when you don't have a solid brand, right? Well, what, what happens? So just imagine that your hub in the center of that wheel is, is all jacked up right now that now that wheel doesn't turn the right way, you know, like it'll still kind of go around in a circle, but it's not, it's not spinning efficiently. Right. So if you don't get that hub dialed in, then everything else that, that integrates that hub doesn't flow properly. It doesn't work properly. And, and that's where you see, you know, a lot of a lot of companies that just don't get that hub right and they're spending so much time trying to get that wheel to turn and instead you gotta go back and fix that hub, otherwise it's never gonna turn right. I remember specifically that episode when Dan was describing the wheel. I just kept seeing Chris roll his eyes. He's like, Oh man, Paul's gonna make a cycling segue and then you felt like you completely lost the show after that. But you handled that well. Yeah, I actually let you talk a little bit during that part because I knew you wanted to talk about cycling some in some aspect. Yeah, thank you. Well, Dan wasn't the only one talking about brand. We even had the finance guys talking about how important brand was this year. So we brought on Chris Lothschitz, who at the time was I think VP of finance for Linux. Let's hear from Chris on what he says about brand. Because nope, as an HVAC dealer, man, your brand is it. That's your identity. It's how people find you. It's how you stay in a servicing of that home. I mean, your brand is gold and you have to protect it like Fort Knox. And that's coming from a guy who is representing a brand that's 125 years old, like been through wars, been through the Great Depression, right? Economic collapses in new construction, and um, we'll make it through COVID just fine. Yeah, man, that that's, uh, man, gosh, I always said too, like brand was was really exposed this past year if it wasn't on point. So you had to be, uh, man, super aware of what is your brand really? Where do you really stand in your market. So speaking of good brands, uh, the next quote's going to come from episode 33 with my man, Dave Burns from Burns Pest. Iron Man. The, like seven or eight Iron Mans. Remember like he blew us away. I had no idea. I had thought I'd done my due diligence in, a pre, in the pre-podcast production and all that stuff. Nope. And I missed that somehow. But they've been a super reputable brand in Phoenix, Arizona, in Vegas, in Tucson for many, many, many years. But he will say some things that are contrary to popular belief. And that was about talking, you know, on how much time I'm going to go back you know, and spend crunching numbers, you know, if I have a technician in the house talking to a customer. No, no, no. He's all about quality over cost, okay? Quality over cost. 
and that's the long-term win. If you got to look at it long-term, it's the long-term gain for Burns Pest Control success was that quality over cost narrative. So let's hear from my man, Dave Burns. I'll be honest with you. I didn't crunch numbers like that. I'm, I'm, I'm a finance guy. You're a guy, finance a, guy, a yeah. banker. I didn't crunch numbers like that. Is it because you're too busy going? Well, no, because because numbers numbers become a subset of taking care of the customer. Right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you have to know you have to know what your expenses are. You've got to know what costs are. You've got to know what margins need to be. But guys that spend too much time crunching numbers in the back forget that it's just a derivative of the service, service. you provide on the front. Boom. Um, so the biggest thing you can do is figure out how you can take a customer's mindset off of pricing and put it onto results, be a result oriented business. And then all of a sudden price doesn't matter. So, Hey, price at some point, I'm mean, obviously price matters to a point, but it can't be the number one point, And it's not for Dave Burns. You have to have quality of service. You have to have it, which is great because when we had Travis Ringi on from ProSco Plumbing, he was a service titan of the year. Um, you know, he's one of the few guys that actually posts price on their site. So that way he can move right past the potential um, objection of price or not giving a price at all. But mind you, he's got like 5,000 plus five-star reviews. So clearly quality is his game, but he's okay with putting the price out there on his sites, which like we've talked about, you know, I'm, I'm a fan of it. You know, you remember that? Like how passionate he got when we started talking about that? Yep. So let's hear from my man, Travis Ringi at Pro Skill Plumbing out here in Arizona. We believe that everybody, you know, gets the same deal. And one of the things we learned as we started to get into air conditioning sales is that customers don't like when you're pencil whipping contracts and using your calculator at the kitchen table. They, it gives them an uncomfortable feeling. So we wanted to have a, a way to show transparency in that everybody pays the same price Everybody gets the same deal, you know, and the price is the price. The way that we went about it differently, it, like I said, is that we didn't try to go in just super low price to get the, the lead, capture a lead, and then go in and upsell. The pricing on the website is for the full scope of work included, and that's, that's the price. Customers always say, I, I, I'm surprised that that was actually the price. I mean, obviously, if they need duct modifications, things we can't see, those aren't included. But for the most part, they pay what's on the website. You know, Chris, we have to kind of hide our bias, right, as as objective hosts here. But I think you and I both agree that, like, transparency is the the most missing element of the industry. And Travis really nails it. When people ask me, you know, what should I do? I tell them to do whatever Travis is doing, like everything he does, <laughs> do everything Travis does. And congrats to him. I think that uh, I think he just sold his business, right? He certainly did. Yeah, Travis, super, super smart, very analytical thinker, but also very customer service oriented. Um, yeah, the man, they sold their business and congrats to them. It's awesome. And they sold the service champions out in uh, uh, LA. So it's a big deal. Another uh, really great reputable company. Um, you know, and one thing that he's, even though he's kind of a, uh, I mean, you wouldn't be able to tell from the way that he took over your um, co-host position on that one episode. Ah, with she's Ishmael. so good. Um, but he actually is a, a super empathetic leader too, but he's just a little bit more of an introvert. Um, and a young guy him. too. I don't know. Is he 32 years old or um, not a little bit older than that, but yes, yeah. but they're still young, but he cares about what that, you know, about that customer experience and, and much like our next guest uh, and you're going to like a, a Hobika, like 
Mr. Lou Hobike on episode 22 talks about um, like their big belief too is, and, and man, if you guys have never met Lou, I mean, he is a phenomenal human being. I love his energy. He's a great guy. Great, uh, great family company that's been super successful, but they put that on the back of the way that they make their customers feel. That's why they say, you'll like a Hobika, the nicest guys in the industry. You know, as well as I do, your customer is going to quickly forget what you said, what you did, what happened, what was repaired, what was replaced. They're going to quickly forget that a week, two weeks, a month, a couple months. They'll forget all about it, but they'll long remember how you made them feel. So get into that emotional aspect, whether it's virtually how you made them feel, their dogs, their kids, a hobby, something they like, just the special care and attention you took to the home, or maybe you're up in the attic and you're only an HVAC professional and you notice maybe a plumbing leak, some corrosion, something ready to happen or an electrical hazard. And you identify that, make a video, show your customer and say, hey, you know, Chris, I was up in your attic and I noticed, you know, these pipes are all corroded. It looks like it's a pipe that's ready to burst. I was scared to death to get anywhere near it. You might want to call a plumber. And Chris looks at the video and he says, wow, Lou, thanks so much for showing me that. I mean, who would do that? Who cares enough? So creating that, that memorable experience, yep. experience is just huge because they're going to long remember how you made them feel, and they're going to want you back for whatever services that you provide. And if you don't provide the service that they want, they're not going to be happy. They're going to just want you to do it even though that's not something you provide, um, or you, you use a preferred partner to be able to utilize that and offer it. It's just that simple, guys. It's that it's easy. It's just that simple. It's that easy. You know, but you don't always get it right. Right. Don't no matter how good of a job so you do, maybe everything that you do, like all your effort, your best efforts, and maybe you just can't satisfy the customer. That certainly happens. But what do you do, Paul? What do you do if there's, you know, somebody wants to leave a negative review and you know you've tried everything to try and please that customer? We talk about running to the fire at Rhino. Charge! That's the first moment of, you know, negative experience, we want to run there and take care of it. Now, this next guest talks about that, but let's pause for a moment. I would say there were three or four kind of like, I don't know, pinnacle moments in the podcast this year. And I felt like this was one of them. And we had a very, I I wouldn't go ahead, I wouldn't go as far to say controversial, but I would say spirited guest from the West Coast. Passionate passionate guest from the West coast. Come on. I got some love letters after we, um, after we interviewed him right, um, for maybe, I think, I don't know. I think it was 23 F bombs used, <laughs> but um, we went back and listened and how many good takeaways, like he gave some of the most like profound advice that sounded just simple and that just rolled off his tongue that like his competitors can use to be more successful. But anyways, enough fanboying over here for me. So let's go ahead and hear from our boy, Mr. Ishmael Valdez from next gen. I mean, anyone can scale with marketing, but how do you do it by maintaining processes that leave satisfied customers? Good question. I think we're over probably close to 2,500 to 3,000 reviews. Um, and we maintain four and a half to five stars on, on most of them. Um, how did we do it is because I pick up the phone, bro. Like literally, if there's a one-star review, um, for the last five years, I've been the one to pick up the phone. I've been the one to, hey, I, I screenshot the, 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 the one-star review. I send it over to management. They send me back the information. And within like, I sh- and I'm not even exaggerating this, within 30 to 60 seconds, we have that information. Obviously, because of service time, we, we could pull, see who did that review. And they send me the phone number. I pick up the phone and I tell them, hey, what, what is it that we w- went wrong? And, and sometimes I apologize, right? 
if we did mess up like hardcore, but most of the times what these, what these people want to hear, what our customers want to hear is just like, Hey, like you guys messed up. I need to vent to somebody, not just your management team, not just your CSR. Right. Because they have other things to do. Like I wanted, I want the owner to know that something went wrong. Yep. Right. So I let them vent out. I let them vent out. And then I, and then I, and then I hit them with like our feeling of like who we are as a company, who I am as a person. And, and, and I make it, really really clear that that w- whatever happened is going to get taken care of whether it's refunding on three hundred dollars or a thousand whatever it is that we needed to do right. that they feel that we should do to, to 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 make that experience go away or or give us another shot i make it happen and and the key to it is making it happen right then in their way where where the review's being written yeah man so he uh, he nails it. Like, you know, you're not always going to get it right, but he runs right towards it. He does it as fast as possible because time is certainly of the essence in those scenarios. And it's not a tip or a trick, right? That is authentically solving problems, right? It's amazing. He's yeah. so good. Yeah. And, um, and so I can respect that, man. No, you always see everybody wants to talk about or post about all the successful stuff that goes on, but everybody knows everybody's got baggage and, and negative stuff that comes up. It's just all about how you handle it. Yeah. You know, and there's multiple ways that you can handle it too. So, you know, this is something I didn't normally believe in, I guess, say even the first half of this year, um, as a standalone offering that I do believe in today. And what I mean by that is, is sometimes if you get negative press or you have some negative reviews and things, some things like that, um, you know, we don't think that you could utilize PR agencies, regardless of size of company to kind of attack that, not attack, but maybe support why that's not who you are or what you're really about, telling you your real story, why you really do care. And so we had Heather Ripley from PR, uh, Ripley PR come on, who, by the way, was like named one of the uh, Entrepreneur Magazine or whatever it was, uh, yeah, Entrepreneur Magazine's 2020 PR agencies of the year. I mean, it was Forbes, dude. But she talks about how you can be proactive, you know, with PR as well. You know, a lot of times we don't think about you know, what we should be sharing proactively, it's usually in crisis mode where they hire her to come in and then, you know, it's to try and clean up something. But, um, you know, we brought on Heather on episode 47 to talk about how PR can help them meet their business goals beyond just covering them, you know, during a crisis. Let's hear from Heather. Um, Our clients hire us for very different reasons sometimes. Um, We had a client that I've known for a long time, but he wasn't, he wasn't a client. He was a friend of mine, but he owned a, heating and air company in Miami and the the laws are really loose in Miami and so what he wanted to do was raise awareness statewide to what happens if you hire an unlicensed contractor and that was the sole reason he hired us he didn't want publicity for himself he just wanted to raise awareness and try to stop competing with the unlicensed people our move for Florida we created a strategy and um, pitched all the major markets in Florida. Um, we pitched him as a, an expert to talk about it. Um, another thing that we do is if a client wants to be acquired, um, which was Mike's reason, um, maybe not the sole reason, but um, why he wanted a lot of national coverage for gold medal was he wanted to sell the company. And so we, we got gold medal, um, not only local, regional and statewide coverage, but a lot of coverage in the trades. And that ultimately I think had something to do with why he was, um, worth more. I thought that was such a kind of subtle play there for Heather to mention that, Hey, 
you know what? We might have had something to do with Mike A selling his company for uh, record multiples, um, but she did such a good job. Now, not everyone can have a PR team, even though I think PR teams are, I mean, PR agencies are, are super affordable, but there's something you need to be doing every single day on your own or have an agency at least do it for you. And that's social media, of course. Well, there's not one company in the country who does it better, more authentically, more engaging for their brand than Laura and Brent from Main Street Comfort. Yeah, and they're, they're from episode 20, and I will commend them because during uh, all this COVID stuff, they early on adopted um, just hammering social media with not just straight like product, like having fun with it, doing creative stuff. Like I was really impressed by them, which is how they got on in the first place. They're not a customer of ours. I hadn't known of them prior. I just saw what they were doing and was super like jacked about how much fun they were having with it. And I thought that was a good example to share with everyone else, especially during this, because guess what? You can do those things and it literally only costs you sweat equity. There's zero cost attached to it. Okay. So listen, um, main street comfort, they're up in Salt Lake city. Salt Lake city. Um, Ish. you know, yeah, that's right. Put their, their whole social media plan is to get the entire company involved. Yeah. I try and come up with a plan and map it out as best I can. And then I try and get as many people to contribute um, especially like Doug, Brent, and Mike, I feel like we're kind of the face and the personality of the business. And I definitely want to be sure when people call in and talk to Mike or I or Doug, or when Brent's doing a bid that they kind of have a knowledge of who we are and that we're a friend and that we, you know, we're just casual and they can chat with us. But yeah, I try and lay out kind of a rough plan and then we wing it when we need to, you know, when things, things change, we pivot. Yeah, I think it's fair to say that um, it was okay to switch things up and try new things this year. And to also, you know, bring humor, bringing humor into it, I think is always great, right? Like, I think we learned from Vayner, like with a couple different things is you either want to be educational or entertaining. If you could be both, it's a successful win. I think they did a great job of both of those things. Um, But clearly, you know, how we interacted with the homeowners uh, shifted, shifted around a little bit this year. Is that a fair assessment there, TP? Yeah, I mean, really what this year did was it accelerated all the things that people needed to be doing for years, but we've gotten away with as an industry not doing them because no one else was doing them. Well, that changed this year. Yeah, it certainly did. And also, I think something that was great is it exposed that um, maybe you need to do things a little different with your technology, right? Like, because uh, speed is a necessity. And this year, because, I mean, with with all the COVID stuff happening to social media was used even more you know, and people were home more. So the, you know, the fact that we were deemed essential business was huge, but also that people were, um, you know, home more. So they needed more plumbing, they needed more heating and air conditioning, they needed more, you know, electrical, whatever the services were. And they did. And it's been a phenomenal year for a lot of uh, essential businesses. But it also was best if you started to utilize the new technologies to help customers book appointments through the site. Because a lot of times people would just, you know, utilize the chat feature or the text feature through GMB. They didn't want to talk to you. So one of the best of the best that we found at this was, ironically, our now strategic partner in Schedule Engine, who's also um, you know, stemmed from Howler Enterprises, which is a very successful company up on the on the East Coast, where they were utilizing this service for themselves to do, you know, to make scheduling easy to service their customers, right, to where they could book their own appointments. In episode 18 with Austin Howler and Ray Clark, uh, they discussed the importance of embracing new ways to do business with homeowners in 2020 as a result of COVID. There's no question that this, these circumstances have inspired uh, homeowners to, to, to increasingly engage differently with their contractors and has, I think, opened the minds of, of more contractors to, 
to getting creative and embracing, you know, different alternative ways to, to do business with their homeowners. And those that have, I think, are, you know, are delivering a better customer experience, uh, are, are, are showing, you know, more empathy to their customers and are, are uh, you know, I think weathering this storm perhaps better than, than others might. I think the creativity, the innovation that these types of types of circumstances inspire uh, will stick. I think there'll be a lot of things that, that folks continue to do differently moving forward. This next guest was brought in really because of something that happened with one of my neighbors. So one of my neighbors needed his systems replaced. And so I made a recommendation for someone that I really trust and believe in. And he ended up going with someone else and come to find out it was because the other person was advertising and promoting financing. So we had a moment where we're like, man, we need to make sure that that story, the importance of having financing for consumers is out there. Yeah, we brought on Chuck. And actually, Chuck is like gobs of energy. And he and I, we've known each other for years because, um, you know, anytime that we at Rhino are running a digital marketing campaign, you know, we're, we're being tasked with bringing in new customers. And ultimately, from the HVAC business, that means new install business. Well, if you can get them pre-qualified using financing uh, from the site, it's like the best of both worlds. If they can roll into an appointment with a, um, with a, uh, uh, pre, what's it called? The, uh, gosh, thank you. Good grief. Yeah. I couldn't get it out. Pre-qualification. It's like the best case scenario. So we brought approval. We brought on Chuck Upshur from episode 17 to talk about why financing, or he says financing, uh, needs to be a part of your business. Let's hear from my man, Chuck. And I want you to answer, you know, think about this question. If you have a pen or paper, I want you to write it down. What percentage of your business in 2019 was cash? What percentage was credit card? And what percentage was finance? And I want you to think about your business in that aspect of it. Because what we're finding, the larger organizations are north of 50% in overall finance business. Some are 60, some are even 70%. And the reason why is because they're offering it. If you're offering finance 100% of the time, not when you pull in and you see a 5,000 square foot house and you see temp tags on a brand new Lexus or Mercedes and you've already spent that customer's money. I want you to take your hand out of their pocket. You don't know how they buy. So I want to make sure that we're offering finance all the time. If you're, if you answered the question I asked in 10% of your business or less than 10% or your 20% or 30% of your business, it has nothing to do with the market that you're in. It basically has all to do with whether or not you're even offering the finance. Chuck is still going somewhere. He's preaching that right now from the mountaintop. <laughs> I can hear him. He's got zero quit in him, man. Zero. Love that guy. Our next guest is someone who's become pretty uh, familiar with our podcast and really with our community and very, uh, you know, one of those guys that goes by one name and one name only, Tersh. Tersh. Tersh is the owner of Service Emperor, but he also, the listen, he was actually really instrumental in, uh, in pre us actually launching this podcast because I was always leaning on him because he has a super successful, super knowledgeable podcast called Service Business Mastery. And, um, and Tersh, I've got to become really great friends with. I got to spend some time with him and Julie. They were, they're out in Savannah. And um, one thing that I, why I had him come on board was through COVID, you know, when people started having, uh, started having to go remote, well, he was already set up for that success because he is a, a remote service company. And so I was like, what in the hell does that even look like? Like, how are you a completely remote service company? And then Tersh shared on episode five, 
uh, a little bit of uh, a few of his his nuggets that have made him successful being remote. It really pissed me off every time I'd have to pay for a brick and mortar location, knowing dang good and well that I could do everything that I'm doing right here in this office that I have to drive an hour to come to every day from my home or from anywhere in my with my truck. I could literally do it all, you know, and so that was part of the frustration that I was having. And this year really gave you like the green light to explore new things. And we talked about that a little bit with Bart James from ACA, who was really on the front lines of what was going on with like the, um, you know, the PPP loans and all those sort of things up in D.C. And uh, we brought him in early in COVID to talk a little bit about marketing IQ. Yeah. And because indoor air quality certainly was a, uh, a major focus this year for obvious reasons. But it's how you market it, I think, that matters most because you know, people were fearful of, of obviously all the COVID stuff, but you know, you didn't want to market um, to the fear. You wanted to market to educate. And I think that's the right way to go about it. And it's always been the right way to go about it. And, um, and listen, when Bart James came on, I learned so much about what he does fighting on Capitol Hill for all HVAC customers, whether you're part of AC or not, which is super commendable, but let's go ahead and hear from episode 11, uh, Bart James talk about uh, why the industry should market IAQ. Are we going to see a breakthrough in indoor air quality at the forefront of conversations with contractors and consumers, or do you think it will continue to be, we will continue to be underwhelmed by what's going on in the industry with advanced IAQ stuff? You know, you would hope what's happening right now in our country will create relevance for that, but we've just skipped over um, air quality for so long. We've been glossing over this, but some people have really done a good job. I mentioned, you know, one of my board members in, in DC that it's just, you know, he's really focused on um, his, his commitment to quality work and being a resource on that. I think you'll see more consumers have that, um, that interest. And I think it's, I think it's really, really smart for contractors to make a, make a run at that and separate themselves. Yeah. And I believe that you had to do, I mean, beyond just IAQ, you have to do numerous things to try and set yourself apart. Right. When, and, and Bart came on pretty early. I think he, I think his episode was in April. Does that seem right, Kyle? Somewhere around there. Um, but it was episode 11. So I think now today, as you're listening to this, I think pretty much everybody's marketing to the, you know, to the IAQ space a little bit, but um, you know what? You also had to, if you, if you got stumped, like you couldn't come up with your own ideas uh, on what to do. Well, listen, you also had to know through this year, if your brand wasn't on point, like we talked about early on, you had to try new things. Um, but if you don't know how to do it, you had to ask. And we'll let's just say consultants, I do air quotes, came out of the woodworks this year, right? Like the, everybody is a consultant, everybody. things like this. Yeah. Now, I think that the that the intention is good. I genuinely do. But who can you learn from that's one of the best? Like who can you really take and learn from that's one of the best? And that's when we had Josh and Laura Kelly on. Um, actually, I think he, that was the second time that he had come on was episode 34. Yeah, because Laura was on there. Um and Josh has a consulting service called Clever Marketing. And, I mean, he comes from Parker & Sons, right? His dad, you know, Paul Kelly uh, from Parker & Sons. And Josh was certainly a big part of the success of Parker & Sons marketing program. But you had to know what was working, what to do, and to track your numbers. Right? Remember, so Josh is super passionate about, uh, about the marketing aspect of it, but also tracking it. So he comes on and, and shares this episode on consulting and not having a one-size-fits-all solution for everything. There's no like solution. I don't believe in a one size fits all kind of thing for really any business, right? right. Every business, every owner, every culture is different, right. even locations. Like you can't do the same thing in every one. 
and to try that as a mistake, right? So really to us, it's just commute, constant communication, making sure they're having success, making sure they're implementing. And sometimes that's, you know, contractors will tell, hey, like I loved 70% of this, but like I'm not going to do this 30%. I'm like, okay, that's cool, but you're going to share the results. And if your results aren't significantly better, then you're going to have to be open to doing that other 30%. Is that fair? Ironically, <laughs> you know, Josh and Laura Kelly with Clover Marketing, we have a lot of mutual customers, so he practices what he preaches. Um, and that's how I believe you can define, you know, really good consultants are those that are, you know, that have had great success, but have attracted down to the details and that's what they're coaching on. Yeah. And one of the reasons we even started this podcast is because, you know, we talk to contractors across the country every single day and have for years. And what we realize is most of the problems are shared problems, right? They're not really yeah. new problems. Now there's different ways to solve them. So one of the guests we brought on is a very high level consultant, kind of a uh, Fortune 500 leader, Ashley Aldridge. Part of our thinking, Paul, was in things that we've heard others say in the industry that have been extremely successful. I'm talking like big, big companies who've brought in leadership from outside of the industry. So this is why we had brought her on was uh, Ashley Aldridge from Reach XOD, um, you know, was at Golfsmith. She was the CEO of Golfsmith. I mean, um, but that knowledge when you are working, when you're a C-suite for a Fortune 500 company, I have to believe they've been through a lot because you're reporting to a board, right? So you're constantly reporting, you're constantly trying new things, but I believe that has to make you think differently. And and that's what I wanted was how can we get access to those kind of brains for the home services business to think outside the box? The issues that we face in the service business particular, particularly are all the same. We need revenue, we need to grow, we only have a certain amount of resources, you know, we've got products, we've got services, we've got people that serve, you know, on our behalf. The framework of decision making is still the same. I still had to address all of the same things. Who's our customer? What's our competitive landscape? What kind of financials and operations are we going to rob? Which technology are we going to use? Um, but the um, nimbleness of being a small business on, on one hand is challenging, certainly in the current environment we're all in from a market perspective with COVID, but also extremely opportunistic if you think about it in the right way. Chris, remember when we brought on Angie Snow to talk about CSRs? We talk about CSRs all the time because of what we do. Her and her husband own Western Heating Air Conditioning. I think I don't think it's plumbing. It's just Western Heating and Cooling yeah. up in uh, Salt Lake City. And they do consulting for, for go time. They do. Yeah. And she was even doing stuff for, I think, uh, Service Titan, right? Yeah. Let's hear from Angie. Okay. A couple of things here. Um, first of all, listen to the calls identify areas where they need help with. And like I said, keep it a simple process. Things you love about the call, things you wish were different. You've got to do this with the CSR. They have to hear it in themselves. If they can't hear it, they can't change it. So they need to listen to their call and you know they're gonna be their own worst critic. So be gentle with them. Don't say, yep, here were 30 things you need to change and here's a garden hose, I'm shoving it down your throat right now, fix it. No. <laughs> Be gentle. They're like a little plant. They're developing. They're budding. A couple drops here and there. Let's work on these two things this week. If anything else, just work on these two things. Let's see if we can stop talking over clients. And let's see if you can remember to set this expectation when you're talking to them. And then once they've got that, the next week, identify one or two more things. This is, it's a process. You can't expect your CSR to just be a slam dunk overnight. You've got to, you've got to be consistent. 
in listening and training and what's tracked and measured will be improved. Booyah. Yeah, listen, the CSRs are extremely important because all this money you might be spending on branding and marketing or whatever, it all comes into those CSRs, man. They got to be able to book the call or it means nothing. And as you know, Paul, we have a Rhino Tracks call listing and reporting team of 50 plus people whose job is to listen to every single phone call that comes through to figure out one, what leads are coming through. How are those CSRs doing? Because all of our efforts mean nothing if they can't book the daggum call. I like her recommendations on, you know, they're budding flowers. Just like, I feel like I'm like that sometimes. Picture this while Paul collects himself. I've got it. Then go ahead. Oh no, I'm sorry. Okay. Chris, people always want to add more services. And sometimes we tell them just to go a little bit deeper on the services they have before they start going east and west. But we brought Josh Kelly on and he told us a story about misters, misters and saying yes. Marketing is not extreme. It's not, it's not home runs. It's singles and doubles consistently. That's how you grow your business. These are home runs, but like don't plan on or like you trip on these and you just have to be willing to say yes. I'm in, I'm in a position in life a lot of times because I just decided to say yes and figured it out uh, and made it legit right away. I didn't fake it. I didn't say, you know, I didn't say, hey, we're expert in missing systems. I, I literally went in and immediately after we got the job, I told them exactly what was going on. And we're very honest up front. They didn't care. They couldn't pay for the missing systems anyway. What's the difference to them? But you said yes. Yeah, I said yes. Yeah, so just like my man Gary V says, say yes, and then you'll figure it out on the back end. But you know what? Sometimes you can't always say just say yes without being adequately prepared. Like, for instance, when people say, hey, man, I'm thinking about adding plumbing to my HVAC business, or I'm thinking about adding electrical to my HVAC and plumbing business. But that's a big decision for your company, right, Paul? It is. So It is, and no one knows it better than my guy, our favorite guest, and perhaps what I have made it very known to our listeners, my favorite human on the planet, Bobby Jenkins will literally take care of everything from the curb to the alley at your house. Bobby? I say alley because he's a Texas guy. They have alleys down yeah, there. Yeah, man. They're down in Austin, Texas, ABC, home and commercial. Like one of the, the most best. genuine human beings on the planet with a heart of gold from episode number seven. Let's listen to our good friend, Bobby Jenkins. And you've got to have somebody, especially if you're starting out from scratch, you've got to have a driver. You can't have a caretaker. You can't have somebody who's okay with the status quo. This has to be an entrepreneurial type person who wants to build something. Because if all they want to do is take care of something and you're starting out new, you will never, you will never grow. And, and we have had that happen to us a couple of times. And uh, wrong person in the wrong position. And, and we failed. We failed our our first uh, endeavor in the landscaping. We failed uh, in the security business. Uh, there's, so there's been a couple of things that we have failed at, and it wasn't because it was a bad idea. I submit we just didn't have the right person in the right position. Yeah, because you have got to have key leadership in order to add that service. Like you have somebody that really understands the business, knows the business, to take that on and lead the charge. Right, Paul? Chris, yes. And do you remember when we sat in Bobby's lobby as we waited for a meeting with him earlier in the year, like the symphony of phone ringing? We've, I've never to this day ever heard that many phones ringing off the hook. Yeah, it was I, unbelievable. I felt like I was watching the Wolf of Wall Street, except completely opposite type of business. But you know how in there you hear those phones, like there's like 
80 people in there and the phones are just off the hook. That's what his yeah. office sounds like. So clearly doing it right. But you know what? When you add a business, unless you're just sitting on a big chunk of cash. Oil money. That's right. Uh, sometimes, man, you got to go out and get yourself a loan, man, to do that acquisition. You know, if you no want shame. to add a service, because if you don't just do it, you know, start it up on your own, you have a good leadership, then you got to go through, you know, an acquisition process. And that's sometimes how a lot of, uh, or I guess that's sometimes how companies have added other services by acquiring other companies. So it is important when doing that, that you, you know, position yourself with the right financial partner. And so we have brought on uh, Brandon Bolin on the podcast and Brandon, didn't you, weren't you talking with him before we had him on the podcast too about some different stuff? Yeah. He's like the HVAC money guy. Like everyone who's not everyone, but many companies who are buying and selling businesses and doing some interesting things with financing, no Brandon. And he's this not even 30 year old, I guess, guy out in, I was going to say kid, but not a kid out in Wilmington, North Carolina, who kind of like us, like, found a little, you know, space in HVAC and has decided to go all in. So he's been like the guy for the industry. He's amazing. Yeah. He answered a lot of great questions about the SBA uh, 7A loan. And so let's hear from episode 28, Brandon Bolin from, I think he's a vice president of uh, service contracts at Live Oak Bank. You know, the headlines of the newspapers were all about PPP loans, which were, was an SBA program. But the SBA actually has what's known as a 7A program. And what that is, that's their flagship this the flagship lending program, it's around every single year. And what it is, is it's a government guaranteed loan that enables banks like Live Oak, and there are other banks that offer SBA loans. And what it is, is it's a loan to small business. And, and I don't think I'm on video, but, but I'm putting quotation marks up because I'm putting quotation marks around small because you can be a $20 million home service company and still receive an SBA loan. Got it. And that is by no means a small company. Right. Um, but be, because it's government guaranteed, meaning the essentially the government backs 75% of the loan, that banks can provide financing to small businesses where the loan approval is based upon the cash flow of the business and not the collateral. Most banks, you know, if you come to them for an acquisition loan to buy a competitor across town, they're going to say, what type of collateral do you have to put up? Well, we all know a lot of the value in these companies is really in the goodwill, the brand, the profits of the business, which you can't secure a loan with. So the bank would say, you can't get a loan. And so the SBA recognized this, and this program plugs that gap where now companies can buy each other out, grow in, in different ways that weren't yet accessible to them by using the, the 7A program. Chris, I can't think of one topic this year that we had more demand or more requests for than buying, selling, funding deals. And that's why we ended up with Ken Goodrich coming back in the studio so many times because he's been through so many different types of acquisitions over the years. Right. And so uh, you're right. Like the whole private equity deal um, has been a monster this year. Uh, if you're... <laughs> If you're listening to this podcast, most likely you already know that. And you've probably already been approached by somebody. Um, but acquisition psychology is extremely important to know whether you're on the selling side or the buying side. And again, you know, from Ken Goodrich's perspective, who's been through it a lot in his own way with his own partners, his own beliefs, shares uh, some of, of what he thinks are the characteristics of valuable, highly sought after businesses. So um, listen to Ken on episode 15 uh, on what makes the most valuable business. If you have a business that has good, solid, proven systems, 
and you have good, solid, proven people to run those systems and the business makes, creates revenue and profits that grow every year, then that is the most valuable business where an owner is not going to come in and have to run it himself because running himself is a lot of risk and it costs money. You know, there's capital that costs and all kinds of things. So the most valuable business you can have is you can go in and prove, say, this is my general manager. This is my installation manager. This is my service manager. This is my call center manager. Here's my management team. Here's what we do. Here's our metrics. Here's our systems. Here's our growth rates. Whether I show up or not, this business has a very highly predictable predictability in creating those revenues and profits going forward. You know what I think Ken's gift is? Now that I hear him again, I think he makes things incredibly simple. And I think that's why he does so well on this podcast, because people can really, really take away like solid, solid wisdom from him. But let me tell you what's not simple, Chris. And you learned this many times this year. Acquisitions. <laughs> it ain't easy buying another company. There's a lot involved. There's a it lot is. of emotion involved. There's a lot of finance. There's a lot of due diligence. You learn a ton. And we've learned a ton. Deal and fatigue. one thing we've learned, I'm, I'm just going to toss this up to you. What's the one thing we learned this year next time we approach an acquisition? Oh, it's crystal clear to me what I've learned this year after going through multiple uh, uh, you know, due diligence and acquisitions and things of that nature. And that's that, by God, you need experts to help navigate you through this, much like our friends over at SF&P Advisors have you know, guided many, many big deals across uh, the board in the home services space. And uh, that was with Fred Silverstein and Brian Cohen, who's my buddy. Um, and we asked them you know, for their opinion from the advisor perspective on you know what to do you know what to do um if you're trying to sell your business but man deal fatigue is a real thing that happens but what you can't do is go into these things without having the best representation because it's in some instances the biggest transact transaction of your life so on episode 37 we had fred and brian on to talk about what are buyers looking for Accounting, I mean, you have to have your, your numbers and your number of people in order. It, it blows us away sometimes that uh, a, a, very, a very large company, it, it, no handling stuff, they don't have a CFO in place. Like you have to be able to pull your numbers. When a buyer wants to see numbers, they don't want to wait two weeks. Yeah, quick. You That's when you your, know. You got to have your hand on your KPIs. You got to handle them. Excuse me. Somebody says, what are your call counts? What is this? What is that? They don't have weeks for you to be able to turn that information around. Um, having your bench strength in place, you know, having your key managers in their positions and by bench strength. And one of the questions we always ask is if you were going to leave your business, how does the business do and how long can you leave it for, for the business to continue on moving in the direction you want it to? Is that never a week, two weeks, a month, the longer you can leave your business means that you are running your business, your business isn't running you. You've got the right people in place. Service contracts, right? Those, those are critical. Buyers, you know, certainly love service contracts. You guys know all the reason. Puts a nice fence around your customer. I think another one is understanding who you are, right? You can't be uh, mastered everybody. It's understanding the business mix that you play in. It's, you know, we'll, we'll tell you, you know, we don't love new construction, right? That That's a uh, new construction. You know, when you're in that new construction, it's, it's certainly a, a, a little bit of a harder business to sell. And, you know, I think having that focus, whether you're a residential company or a commercial company, I mean, you can't be you can't be uh, all masters to everybody. So I think those are those are two other two, two other things as, as well. Another thing we learned this year is that not all buyers and transactions, of course, are the same. So we brought on Ken Haynes from the Wrench Group, who has a really unique approach. 
in that he buys these companies with really, really strong local leadership. And in most cases, they stay intact. They keep their brand and they go to market like they've been kind of uninterrupted. So I, I, I admired Ken for so long. So it was a real, a real treat to have him on, on the podcast to talk about it. And part of it is Ken um, and what the Wrench Group has acquired like five of our customers from Rhino. Like right. big players, super successful, but the, but like the um, the uh, type of co- uh, contractors he's buying are all kind of the same, have the same values, and uh, and it works for them. So you're right. Like there are like not all private equity is equal, right? They are there is different uh, different partnerships that, you, that have different um, perspectives, you know, and different you know portfolios that they like to go after that match their own values. But I love hearing Ken's perspective, and for those who um, don't know Ken Haynes. He used to run a cool, a small little company down in Atlanta called Cool Ray, a monster down there. And now he is the uh, CEO of the Wrench Group. And so he was on episode twenty-five. Let's hear a little bit of nuggets on how Ken created fifty-plus millionaires. Right. You know, for us, we want owners to stay. You know, we we look for great companies, uh, so great businesses with great cultures, and you know, in great markets that have a long track record. Top and bottom line success. That's kind of the initial filter for us. Uh, but we want owners to stay. And the opportunity is, you know, as an owner, you still you get to take some chips off the table, a lot, a lot of money in your pocket, you know, come along for the ride, if you will, get a, get a second, maybe even a third bite of the apple. It's really unique. And, and, and it's an opportunity for employees through, through what we call profit units to create, you know, lots of wealthy people along the way. And I'm happy to give an example. When we, when we sold the business last year to LGP, you know, we created, we, I'm super proud of this. We created over 50 millionaires in the process. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's in amazing. The in the organization. And, and the next time we do this, we're going to create 100 to 150. Chris and I both sit in silence, shaking our head at just how profound that is. And, you know, Ken is such a, a visionary and a leader in our industry. And for him to, kind of invest his time into building that out and, and building the wealth of the people around him is just truly remarkable. So, but there's other ways to grow the business. There's other ways to scale the business. Let's talk a little bit about franchising, Yano. Yeah. So we had uh, on episode 36, Heather McLeod, um, who's the CMO of Authority Brands, which is like the one hour Ben Franklin and like, I think now nine other franchises or something along those lines. Um, but the topic kept coming up, you know, where this year, you you know, some people completely pulled back on their marketing. Uh, some people doubled down, like a lot of our Rhino customers, and had an extremely successful year. But people were looking for options. I'm like, I don't know what to do. Maybe franchising is the next step for me. So I have a team of professionals that are vetted out by someone else to help me be successful with my business. And and that's why we had brought Heather on, as I kind of watched um, – her progress with uh, her career and, and, and her, you know, um, she came from outside the industry too. And then went in, I think she'd been working in it for like, gosh, I want to say six or seven years, but excelled quickly up to a CMO because she was genuinely in it for the contract. Like she, she knew what she wanted to do, but she also understood, um, well, she knew what she wanted to do for the contractor, but she also crystal clear understood uh, that sometimes having the right partnerships is the best way to move them forward quicker. And so on episode 36, again, she shares, you know, why somebody might potentially want to go into the franchising model. One of the the biggest right off the bat is kind of the operational and marketing support that you get from a franchise. So 
if you think about it, like having kind of a, a team of experts, not just at your disposal, but that are actively checking and supporting, checking on you and supporting you right. um, on a daily, weekly, bi-weekly basis. Um, that's really what it's like in a franchise. So you don't have to be an expert or hire an expert to work in your business in every area. You can call on some of the resources um, on the corporate side. And so, so really it's just, you know, having this pool of resources that you can call upon at any point in time to help you navigate whatever might be going on in your business. Heather mentions a pool of resources that tees up our next guest so well. Chris, this was probably one of my favorite stories of the year. Stuart Vernon, who just out of college, I'll save the surprises for the listeners to go back and listen, but started a pool cleaning company, franchised it, and then sold it for however much to Authority Brands. And what a story that he shared about his business, his vision, and, and kind of ultimately where he is now. Yeah, America's Swimming Pool. And it was uh, episode number 46. And um, I think we all grew to love Stuart Vernon on that episode. How could and, you not? You know, and he and I were, are so much alike that, you know, we're, um, you know, now we're on text message status, man. Like we're, we're boys, but yeah. I respect the story, man. Like he had these people bring him down the path with them and then they just shut him out and he's kind of cut him out. Said, all right, I'm going to show you. There's his middle finger motivation. And he came at him, blew that thing up and sold it. Now he's a big part of Authority Brands. And he built it to like, what, 50 or $60 million and not doing pools, like cleaning pools. We're not talking about installing pools, right? like cleaning them. Cleaning, service repair, like a phenomenal business model, super smart guy, Georgia boy. Let's hear from my man, Stuart. I started the pool company and we had, we had some good success really in our local market at first. Typical trade business. I mean, we started from zero. Uh, we were doing then exactly what our franchisees do today. We clean pools, we repair pools, and we renovated swimming pools. Love it. Um, and, and, and it was that simple. And after about three years, we hit the million dollar a year revenue mark, which, you know, for a, a trade business in a small town, we were really humping it. After about four years, I said, okay, I've got to expand. Do I, do I want to open my own location north, south, east, or west of here? Um, how do I do that with my, my existing location being a big, thr- you know, thriving business? And I dug in and said, what does it mean to franchise a service business? Because I never would have dreamed that franchising existed outside of McDonald's and, and Burger King. That, that was what it was to me. You talk about not having a roadmap. This was the ultimate. There, there wasn't, not only was I going to franchise the, the company, which had not been done, obviously, in our business before, but it had not been done in our industry before. So as I started researching it, I was finding other service brands that had done it, names you've heard of, Terminex, Molly Maids, 1-800-GOT-JUNK, but I could not find a swimming pool company that had been franchised before. The pool industry was ripe for the picking because nobody was doing it. Um, and every market we were looking at was fragmented. It had this horrible customer service. People were, over, the competitors were overcharging. And we could outwork him. Yeah, man, he was a guy that leads with empathy too. I, we found out, but he also has a heart for service, which is cool for giving back. So as successful as Stuart has been and, and still is, um, giving back is very much a part of the DNA. And and it actually brings us to our next guest too, because really, um, you know, let me just talk about this for a second. This was a crazy year, but I think a, a blessing of a year because uh, the trades were exposed. The trades were exposed in a great way. 
deemed essential business as we should have been forever ago. So, but you know what? The trades step up, right? And you have to be able to give back. That's got to be part of it. It can't just be about, hey, you had a great year. You know, you're going to sit on your money. Like, man, I sure hope you gave something back to help others because this is a need where people, you know, this was a year where people for sure needed help. So, Paul, why don't you talk about our next guest from episode 44? Yeah, I think, Chris, you talk about doing good is good business. And so we brought on Stephanie Bond, who leads an initiative to basically give away furnaces on one special day uh, once a year in like, I don't know, 100 or 150 cities or whatever it is. So we know because we work so closely with Linux that they do a ton across North America and Canada in their communities giving back. So we sat down with Stephanie Bond to help connect the purpose of your business with giving back. Um, let's just say your your team came back to you and said, you know what, I want to be really philanthropic and let's just raise money and give money away to an organization that needs it. So you see leaders out there like Microsoft who donates you know, bazillions of dollars a year to foundations, but you can clearly do this at a small local level with a car wash that maybe raises funds for a local school based on some current needs that they may have. Right. So I think the first thing you could, you potentially could do is what is one activity that you could do to raise money that you will then donate to an organization in your community that is in need. Yeah. And the, and the dollar amount, is not the point. It's not it's the doing that's the point. Yeah, I can tell you from the work I've done on Seeds of Af- Africa is 30% of nonprofits will go out of business this year. Nonprofits need private organizations help to stay afloat. And $10 will go a long way. I love uh, that this particular uh, give back was so successful because the bigger it got, the more, uh, people it helped along the way. And you know me, man, like I am a huge believer in giving back. It's, it's one of our core values. It's something that we've, um, you know, this is why we at Rhino do a service day every single month, one day a month, we all go and serve somewhere to give back. That's got no benefit to us. Like financially, it's got no benefit to us other than the fact that we get to help give back, to others in need, maybe the less fortunate or whatever it is. It just feels good to, to give back. I'm a huge, huge fan of it, and I promote it so much. And, you know, one thing that we that were able to do, um, you know, trying to move quick to help all the contractors, whether they worked with Rhino or not, was, you know, we thought, well, let's see, this pandemic, when it first rolled out, uh, being in the digital marketing space, you know, my our job is to not only pull in, you know, potential customers into their websites and then hopefully get them to call, you know, the, the contractor from the website. We have to figure out tactics on how to get them to call, right? So we knew like, oh man, nobody wants you in their house, but they now need you. So what's something we could do to let, you know, somebody going into your website before they ever even called you or sent you a chat that you could come to their house and not have to have any contact with them whatsoever to do business, so we created a no contact service call badge. Remember this, Paul? And we rolled this thing out and like 10,000 plus people like asked for it. And I, it's, I, it's so cool because today we still yeah. see them all over people's websites and they've kind of been modified and changed. Yeah, I love seeing the customizations. My favorite is probably Arctic in uh, New Jersey, kind of customized a little bit. And, they, and they'll probably have it on their website for a very long time. This kind of new world we live in. 
Yep, and we created the, uh, you know, this whole Heart for Home Services hashtag because it's really kind of what we've always been about. It just gave us the opportunity to expose it. So um, we have brought Ken back in again, Ken Goodrich again from Gettle, uh, back in to talk about some of the things that he had done because he gave, I mean, I don't remember how many employees they have. It's a ton, but they, he gave all of them indoor air quality systems, you know, to be yeah. helpful to their employees and, of course, was involved in, you know, HVAC you know, giveaways and things like that to some of his employees. So let's hear uh, what Ken had to say about this on Episode 10. And we're going to install in all 611 one of our employees' homes a IAQ package that includes a MERS 16 filter, hospital grade filter, and a uh, uh, UVC UVC um, ultraviolet light system purifier, air purifier in their homes, just like that one I have in my house. And we're going to gift that to our employees and get it installed into their homes immediately. Uh, you know, to, to make sure they have the cleanest environment in their homes and give them some more peace of mind. Now, it's going to cost me well over, well over a million dollars, uh, but I just think that it's the right thing to do for our people who are out in the field and anybody who, you know, just, just to give back to them for the sacrifices they're making for their communities. Ken did such a good job with that. And it's just one of those moments this year, Chris, that we looked back on and we were kind of inspired by what people were doing. Um, you know, there was a moment early in, I think it was you know probably late March, early April, where I went out in public and I saw a, you know, a bunch of people wearing masks. And it was kind of the first phase of, you know, should we wear masks or right. should we not wear masks? And I remember having this like moment of um, just kind of I don't know, like I felt unity among others that we were all kind of in it together, right? We're all wearing masks. We're all trying to do our thing to protect. And, and you know, there are a lot of unknowns. Um, but it reminds me of something our next guest on episode 24, Lawrence Castillo, shared with us. And it's that COVID kind of gave us an opportunity to connect on a different level as humans with customers. We have never had an opportunity to build value like we have today. We, we walk into houses and our instruction to our salespeople is find common ground, build value, make a friend. Right now, we all have something in common and we all want to talk about it. Right now, you, you can't stand within six, six feet of people, but you have more to talk about maybe than ever. So I think, you know, it, it, it if we take advantage of that, this becomes a a windfall, a customer service windfall, right? People just were heroes now. You know, it was, we would go in and, and, and replace their broken air conditioner, but now we're doing it, you know, in the midst of this unbelievable situation that, that we're in. So um, I think we have to, to use this, you know, use what, what, we, what we found ourselves in the middle of and, and take advantage of the common ground that, uh, that we all have at this point. We all have a story, right? I mean, I, you know, I, I have a couple of sisters who lost a job. I had an aunt that was on a ventilator. These are things that, you know, you're looking for something to talk to your, your homeowner about. These people have lost jobs. These people are, uh, you know, they have family that have been affected. So it, it, it just, it, it ties us together. Yeah. And, and, for those who don't know, um, Lawrence Castillo has come from some pretty reputable places and had a lot of great success with sales. I mean, service champions, uh, Milani. Um, now he's at Ro uh, Rooter Hero down in uh, Southern California. Lots of great success. Um, and, you know, that actually kind of uh, kicked off a few things, Paul. And it was 
really going down the sales path, right, of, okay, now what? Um, and who are the better consultants that we've found through mutual relationships and, and, and uh, you know, referrals and things like that? And, and this is how we come across our next guy who, you know, we call Uncle Joe. So yeah. we had Uncle Joe Cressara on from episode 30. And, and I'll tell you, this is one of those deals where we're going through, like, um, role plays, like sales call role plays. And it was... It, I think this was the first time I ever felt uncomfortable on our own podcast was listening to uncle Joe pitch tall Paul Redmond on a system. And Paul, um, really wasn't giving in to the process and listen, uh, as uncomfortable as it was, it was podcast gold. And again, that was episode 30. So you might want to go back and listen to, uh, to that one. But this is when uncle Joe just simply says, so what should we do? You tell me a reason why we shouldn't do the job right now, and I'll tell you a reason why we should do the job right now. Nonetheless, I'm going to win because you got a broken water heater. That's, that's the thing that doesn't make it fair, right? It's like, you got a reason to wait, I got a reason to go forward. But you have a broken water heater, so what should we do, right? That's, that's, why, that's why I always win objections. Uh, so objections happen in all of our life. You know, and think of this, guys. It's not just business. Think about your kids. You got children. They don't want to do their homework today. They don't want to do Zoom. No, I want to just go. I, I don't want to go to school if I can't go live. It's like Janet. I know, but you know, you're selling your kid on an objection to go to school on Zoom or whatever. You know, so we're always selling somebody. I walked into that episode with a little bit of a chip on my shoulder. You know, it's our job as guests or as hosts to get our guests from start to finish in like a good experience. I came into that one wanting to push back the entire time, and that's kind of how I went into the next episode with Brent Buckley. You know, Brent is like a $7 million sales guy out in Las Vegas. And I thought there must be something to it. There's got to be ego at play here. There's got to be some sort of tactic that allows him to capture more than his competitors. And I learned the opposite. I learned that you have a humble, humble, smart person who connects well with consumers. And that's why he's so successful. Yeah. You hit the nail on the head. He, he is very personable. Um, you know, he genuinely, he genuinely cares about helping the customer. And so that way it doesn't, he doesn't have to fake it. It's not a sales pitch it's because not tactic. it's not a tactic. So he genuinely feels that way about taking care of them. You know, but then he's also good at creating urgency. So from episode 45, my man, my friend from Vegas uh, up at Yes, um, you know, Brent, Brent Buckley, you know, shares a little bit about creating urgency. Creating urgency can be done in a lot of different ways. I mean, during the summer months, the urgency is already there here because it's really hot, you know, um, discounts, uh, IEQ, duck cleanings, like stuff that can be thrown in to get the job done. I'd rather discount the job 500 bucks and come back, you know, two days later after they've shopped around and have to give them 2000 bucks off or, you know what I mean? Whatever to get the job. If that, you know, we don't do that often, but I'm just saying like, you know, I, uh, I do whatever I can. I have a, a, you know, an understanding with myself that if I don't close a job right there on the spot, they ain't calling back. Yeah. They, they aren't calling back. I mean, if you're going to sit there and think that all these people are going to call you back, you're sitting by the phone waiting for these sales to happen. It's not going to happen. There's 500 other contractors in Las Vegas that will answer the phone and get somebody out there same day to make the sale happen. You know what I mean? Chris, I bet we came across the topic of labor, talent, technicians, hiring, shortage, training. I mean, almost like 
you know, dozens of times this year. Yep. And we found someone, it's actually a listener, who's kind of taken the problem into his own hands. The bull right? by and the horn, you might the say. The bull by the horn. Yes, we brought on, uh, oh man, a fellow Hoosier. So for those who don't know, I'm from Indiana originally, the Hoosier State. We brought on a fellow Hoosier who, like Paul said, is a listener. And he listened to the podcast with uh, Gary Vaynerchuk when Paul said, hey, Gary, I give you the keys to, H- to Vayner HVAC. And then we talk about, hey, man, there's a you know, technician shortage. What do you do? And he said, I start my own school. I incubate my own technicians. And I'll be damned if this next guest hadn't already thought of it and done it and put it in place. And so we brought on Chad Peterman from episode 48 um, from Peterman HVAC, uh, actually heating, cooling, and plumbing in Indianapolis. It's like a $30 million company up there having great success, but they're incubating their own technicians because part of what's uh, awesome about Brent Buckley coming on and talking about sales and crushing it is guess what? You got to actually have bodies to do the job, right? And so if you can't find them out there, then you got to go and make your own. And so uh, let's hear from my friend, Chad Peterman on how he created Peterman top tech Academy. The way that we work it is they, um, they become uh, an employee of Peterman the day that they start the Academy. Um, So they become, and they become a paid employee. So we pay them um, a, a wage uh, for their for their time while they're in the academy. Big reason there is one, people told me to do it, so j- just do it. And then um, the other one is so that they're not having to worry about you know putting food on the table. They can focus on their training, um, and you know they they just left the job. They need income, um, and so that's been good for us too. Yes, it's an investment. Um, but one that I've been told and, and what looks like uh, early or about two and a half months in looks like that. Yeah, definitely. This is, this is the way to do it. Chris, one of my favorite things to do on the podcast with our guests is kind of project and talk about what's it look like five, 10, 15, 20 years from now. Back to the and future. A couple of our guests had some unique perspectives around millennials. We talk about millennials all the time as if it's like this thing, but um, those are those are our homeowners now, right? These are our customers. Oh, so let's hear from Mel and Dustin over at Bosch on how to uh, how to market toward millennials. You know the the uh, millennials, and I'll pick on millennials here. They want to be marketed to a different way. They they, they want to be talked to a different way. They they want to be communicated with a, a, a different way, and you know finding. Finding out how to do that is, is is a separate challenge in each segment of our industry, and you know that's that that's what is is one of the biggest problems confounding everyone. Uh, I, I love driving down the the, uh, the freeway or the, the highway, or in my case, the uh, Mass Pike, and, and when I see a truck that says, you know, Joe's Heating and Cooling, in, in in previous lifetimes, that's all I needed to say was Joe's Heating and Cooling. But as Joe gets older and his kids taking over that company, you now see the the, uh, the thumbs up sign saying like us on Facebook, or you know, or follow us on Instagram or, or whatever. And most of the contractors that I talk to don't have an Instagram account, okay. But but those are guys at, at my age. But as their kids are coming up, this is what they want. And and, and we as a, an industry need to do a better job of figuring out how to do that. I couldn't agree more with Mel. So Mel Harris and I go way back to, gosh, probably 2008, 2009, somewhere around there, um, when he was working for Carrier Corporation uh, on the Douglas side of things. And so, but I love his, um, I love his th- thought process on this. I also believe that you have to appeal to, you know, multiple demographics, but 
that is like up and coming, right? And what also is up and coming, which actually is kind of weird because it's not really up and coming. Not at all. At all. Completely proven. But but this is the perception, I think, maybe uh, in the yeah. United States of America, is this whole idea and topics uh, or uh, idea on the topic of leasing equipment. Huge in Canada. Monstrous in Canada. How the hell is it not caught on in the United States? So as I, you know, and I talked to another customer of ours who's now on board in the Rhino family, um, and he's been utilizing leasing like the last three years with a great deal of success. So for episode 42, and we had Tom Tao and Ian McKean on to discuss um, leasing. You know, they're from First Service First Financial and uh, and how to really implement it, how to get involved with it, really all the benefits and um, and just any information you want to know on leasing. We said, hey, yo, lay it on us, help us understand why leasing could be super valuable. But the generation is changing, whether it's the millennials or the followers but beyond that. Their new normal is, I, I want, I want to have a good relationship, and I want it to be easy. That's the way they think about things. I mean, you know, it's not just leasing cars today. It's there's subscription services to just use cars when you need them. You know, when you have a program that is fully bundled, that includes the maintenance, it includes whether there's breakdowns, it includes the filter chains out, twenty four seven. I can transfer it if I if I sell my home. There's so many things from a convenience standpoint that they just love the product. And they also love the product that they actually want maintenance. But you know what happens when you have maintenance? The guy comes down the stairs, he walks in, and he says, yeah, everything seems to be working, but I found a couple of things. But. And you go, what? And he says, well, you know, you've got this problem, and you've got that problem. And you know what happens from there. It becomes a negotiation. And the tech feels bad about it. And then they're calling the office. And the, and the office manager or the, or the owner of the business is having to reduce the pricing. So it's a really uncomfortable experience, not only from the homeowner, but for the technician and for the owner of the business. This eliminates all those. I can't think of another way to end our last guest than with Eddie McFarlane. Eddie's like the visionary for the industry and had so much to offer on this last episode. He's a Scotsman. He, <laughs> Which he, makes everything sound uh, smarter and yeah, cooler. He's of course. battle tested. He's got a brave heart. Keep going. <laughs> he killed it. He absolutely <laughs> killed the episode. He did. And uh, the, sometimes he says, the English are too many. <clears throat> no, that one, that one not going to work. That's actually a quote from Braveheart. I wouldn't expect Which you I haven't to know because it's yeah, of course you have because you watch him because it's a movie and it's cool. Yeah, so we brought Eddie on board, and Eddie is uh, also super reputable, um, great human being, uh, so much knowledge. I think in his episode forty nine, he dropped like 50, 50, 30, I don't even know. He dropped a from ton like six hundred BC philosophy through like futuristic quotes it was amazing right but one thing he's excelled at is continuously staying ahead of the curve on training and business and things like that and uh and, and he's a co i think he's part of the co-founder of schedule engine but um has helped Haller enterprises grow to the monster that they are too and, and and a lot of it's accountability man but i you know we brought him and we i think we tried to get him scheduled early on too for some reason and i don't know why we didn't have him on but i'm actually kind of glad we saved him for the, the timing seemed to Close work out, out. great yeah. Because something you have to be prepared for 
is not only how to implement all these things we just talked about in all these episodes, but also how to project into the future, how to train for the future, you know, and to actually do things for the future, but then also to hold people accountable. And so Eddie, you know, Eddie tells us how to engage an entire generation. Um, to, that's, you know, for us to see things uh, in a new way. And, and so let's hear from my good friend, Eddie, the Scotsman, the brave heart himself, Eddie McFarlane. And so here's the deal. It's hard running a business, right? It's Certainly. hard. It's very hard. It's always going to be hard. And you don't get to not do the hard if you want the, the rewards, but you do get to choose your hard. Yeah. Just think about how we do business, both from a customer perspective and an employee perspective. We, we get to um, – we, we dispatch a certain way because – the software was set up or because that's what's sufficient or because it's hard to train. It takes, you know, years and years to train a dispatcher. Right. So we give customers windows and we tell them this and, and, and we, you know, at a certain point, it's like that goldfish that, you know, is in a tank and is trained and then it goes into bigger fit. We can't imagine a world that isn't structured that way. Well, guess what? Uh, an entire generation is rising and saying, if that's the way you are, you're going to create space in the market for someone else that might just operate a little differently. Thank you, Eddie, for those inspiring words. It is always better when somebody has an accent. And like, I feel like you could say anything. Like, you could sing Mary Had a Little Lamb, and it's like the most amazing version of it ever, right? Totally, man. I, I loved having him on. But really, all of our guests this year, I was so delighted by how much preparation and energy and enthusiasm and insightfulness they brought, man. I couldn't be any happier. So thank you to all of our guests. Yeah, absolutely. And for you, the listeners, um, man, thanks for hanging on this year. It's absolutely amazing. Um, the feedback, the reviews, the messages that were sent, we're super grateful for it. And listen, like we got big things in store for 2021, right? Like we feel like we're just getting started, but hopefully, actually, I know for a fact, some of you are actually doing things with what you're learning from this podcast and moving your business forward because you share it with us. And it's like the absolute best feeling in the world. So I want to leave Paul, um, a, a, I want to leave with three Things, you know, because we shared a lot of moments, like 50, our top 50 moments. And really, there's a ton of moments that we probably so missed hard. in there, too. Yeah. But there's 50 moments that we shared. And there's a couple other I can think of off the top of my head. I really wish we had done a clip of Bob Saget talking about the bicycle part. Well, we have it. So, uh, but we have. You can go back and listen to that episode. But I want to share, if I can, at least um, to, to close out this 50th um, episode, three of my favorite quotes. Is that is that okay with you, Paul? Man, yes. Lay, lay them on me. Okay, so... You know, and these are all things that have been discussed across really everything that we just heard in this entire episode. These are all three things that I think are, uh, they all kind of go hand in hand. So number one for me. So if you've listened to all these episodes uh, and you've heard Paul and I talk about this before, we always say, don't talk about it. What, Paul? Be about it. Be about it, right? Don't talk a big game. You know, don't say you're going to do something to... You know, or say that you are something that you're not. You know, do do something with it. Don't talk about it. Be about it, because every single day is game day. Every single day is game day. Because guess what? If you don't come to play the next day, it's Sunday, and you haven't put some sort of form and some sort of thought into your business. I guarantee you, a competitor of yours has. Yeah. Every single day is game day. And I'll leave you with this last one. Okay, Paul, you ready? I'm my, so ready. My, I'm on the edge of my seat. My absolute favorite. It's on the wall in my office. Monstrous. You cannot miss it. It says, don't be an asshole. Be authentic. Okay? If you're an authentic 
human being who genuinely cares about what's best for your customers and your employees, I promise you this, you're doing it right. But you got to take actions to push yourself to get better. You might fail at those things, but you got to keep trying and keep moving forward. As long as the authenticity is there, the willingness to get better is there, you genuinely care and you don't forget that you need really, really great employees that are your responsibility to help you get there, I promise you, you're going to move that business forward. Every single guest we bring on here is somebody that we believe can help you, listening right now, move your business forward. That's what we want from this. It's the whole reason we take our time and do this. Like Paul will say, you don't hear sponsors on here so we can make money off of this thing. It's not what it's about. It's about helping you because it's authentically who we are. Paul, any closing comments from you, brother? I would just say that you don't have to do it all at once, but you have to do it all. Every single day, you have to show up and take something and make yourself better. There are no zero days. Boom! No zero days, baby! Listen, 2020, thank you for testing us. We are, as Eddie says, we are battle-tested. But thank you for exposing the trades for what we truly are. And that is one badass pandemic-proof business, baby. Essential businesses. Until 2021, we'll see ya. Thank you for listening to To The Point. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please consider leaving us a review in the App Store. And don't forget to share with your friends. Till next time, kick some ass.